We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Quarterback good, good in me questions. showing. Let manager, yeah. thank you so much. Good question. Trailer with a super chat. Better days are coming for this team. Changes need to be made, obviously, but the future is bright. Thank you guys for all you do. Go Irish. Thank you, sir. Appreciate yeah. I, I mean, a week ago, I said I, I believe Notre Dame's going to win a title in the next five years. If the Clemson game causes me to rethink that, then I'm then I'm an emotional simpleton that you should not be listening to. Right. It, yep. Your your opinion like that needs to be changed over a period of either one dramatic event. And that game was not a dramatic event or over a period of time. It's proven that this coach just doesn't have it. And he's still learning and evolving as a coach. I wish yep. it would have happened a little quicker. I'm not sure. excusing it or justifying it because I think there was ample evidence last year that you needed to make those changes. And, and you know, so uh, but it's hard to make wholesale changes in the most season, folks. It is you know sometimes like look this is who we are we just got to make the most of who we are so like ryan and i are going to do a show tomorrow and one of the conversations is going to be about what does Notre Dame need to do to kind of head into the offseason to make us feel better about where this team is trending one of the suggestions will not be a wholesale offensive change where they do this 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 and this and they don't do any of those things right now that's not practical that would actually be worse than just keep doing what you're doing because they wouldn't be able to execute at a high level It'll be more practical. What can you do within who you are right now to be better? Then the offseason becomes, okay, now what big picture changes do we need to make? You just, you know, it, it's just like that's just the reality of it. And, um, but, yes, I, I'm so confident in it because the one thing I know is the town acquisition is going to continue to be good. And and some of these games that are is loss, if – you're a little better at quarterback, you're a little better at receiver, you're a little better at linebacker, D-line, whatever, the talent's better, that could be enough to beat Ohio State. You know, if Notre Dame's better at safety, you know, just God-given ability, maybe guys with more God-given ability, maybe Bronte Johnson makes that play that T.J. Brown doesn't. Maybe he makes the play. Maybe Ivan Taylor makes the play that Ramon Henderson doesn't. I don't know if they're able to get like a, an Ivan Taylor kind of guy. I don't know the answers to that, but I'm always more confident when your, your talent's even better. And there are certainly areas where I expect the talent to be a lot better, including receiver, where even the freshmen that are currently here are now sophomores and juniors and seniors. They'll be better as long as the coaching is good enough. And they don't have an hamstring injury. Uh, Michael S. with the Super Chat. Thank you so much. Expectation next two years should be eight to nine wins. Head coach needs to focus on restructuring offense and develop his own quarterbacks for the long haul. Patience needed. I'm not. If, if, I'm not willing if, to say the expectations for next year's and eight, eight wins. I'm sorry. If if I'm if I'm expecting the team to go eight and four, nine and three each of the last next two years, that means that this is a stagnant and underwhelming program, and I am not ready to go. It, with that. it also means Marcus Freeman's not the guy. Yeah. Now listen, I know the schedule's been tougher under Freeman, but this is still a program that had won ten or more ten or more games for what five straight years, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, five straight years, including a year in two thousand seventeen where you played a schedule every bit as hard as the one you played this year, if not harder, in my opinion, yeah. Ryan. So, um, I'm sorry, I just I, I can't go there. I can't. Yeah. I mean, 
Patience, sure. I mean, I you know, I, I understand patience to a degree, but Marcus Freeman didn't walk into a situation where he inherited a crap football team. Is is the roster where it needed to be? No, because what's something you and I always complained about? Brian Kelly's not doing a good enough job recruiting. There are deficiencies on there, but they're not you should be seven and three right now, deficiencies, in my opinion. Right. Your right. roster's still better than Louisville's. I'm I'm sorry. No one will convince me otherwise. I think your roster's better than Clemson's. You could argue that Clemson has a good matchup in certain areas. Okay, fair. But when you consider that Clemson had eight starters out, I'm sorry, you can't convince me they beat Notre Dame because they had a better roster. They were prepared better. They played better. And and you know, but the better your talent, the wider the margin for error. That's just that's also true. So uh, yeah, uh, Ryan, I'm. <laughs> No, I'm not. We're not doing that. We're not. We're we're no. It's, it's, at wins. some points, at some points, the patience thing too is just a delaying of the inevitable. Too, it's a lower. Like, and no, no. Yep. No. And it's a no. lowering of the standard. That's what it is. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The holiday season is upon us, which makes my schedule a lot busier, and I know it does yours too. And that can make it a lot harder to make healthy meals at home. And that's why Angela and I are happy we found Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. Factor can help you fuel up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. I'll be honest, we were skeptical when we first tried Factor, but it took one meal each and we were sold. Once I got done looking through all their different options, we decided to jump on board because there are so many tasty options. We use Factor for dinners, but they also have great options for breakfast and lunch, and their Gourmet Plus options are outstanding. That's why I'm excited to have Factor partnering with Irish Breakdown. So head to factormeals.com irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off. That's code irish50 at factormeals.com forward slash irish to get 50% off your purchase today. We had a question from Cole Barker. What's up, Cole? Does Jared Parker retain the offensive coordinator spot? Have you heard any rumors that Coach Freeman has recognized the offensive scheme issues? Guys, number one, uh, we don't comment. Cole, I know you know this. We don't comment on stuff like that. It's not my place. I don't know. If I had heard that he wasn't going to be back, that's reporting. That's news. But does he retain the spot? I don't know. Let's see how the last two games go. Let's see what Marcus Freeman decides. I have no idea. I would assume so. But other than that, I don't I don't have a lot to say about that. Has Coach Freeman – guys, do you think Jared Parker – like, forget Coach Freeman recognizing it. Do you think Jared Parker watched the game on Saturday and was like, I called a pretty dang good game. We're pretty flipping good. He's got to go recruit really. better players. I I know he doesn't think was, that. Was was that was that your Kentucky accent? By the way, that was pretty huh? good, man. Was, no, good. was that your no, Kentucky accent? No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, so you know, but no, I, I I'm I'm a hundred percent confident that neither Marcus Freeman nor Jared Parker are happy with what happened on Saturday. That neither of them think we prepared him perfectly. We we called it perfectly. Our guys just didn't execute. No, I promise you, they don't think that. I promise you there's calls that Jared Parker's going to look back in that game and say, what the heck was I thinking? And and he didn't get to where he is right now if he didn't. Now, does that mean he's going to be the guy down the road that to lead Notre Dame the greatest? I have no idea. I don't have any evidence to support that he will be that guy right now. I mean, you are what you are. But 
I know that for a fact that they're not happy with how the offense has gone. Now, do they do they feel that it's a scheme problem, a philosophy problem, a preparation problem? That I don't know. I don't know. Because sometimes, Ryan, your playbook's fine. You're not necessarily implementing things appropriately, but it's more about our preparation to get our guys to perform at a high level on Saturdays is not good. And yeah. so if we can affect that, if we can change that. So, like, I, I'll say this again. If Notre Dame simply – took the stuff that was there on Clemson. You don't change a single thing play-calling-wise, not a single thing, and they just execute the plays that were there. I still think they win on Saturday. I do. And that includes not throwing a pick six, not muffing a punt, right? Like, that's what I'm referring to, right? Not like, not you know, yeah. they, they still win on Saturday. If Sam Hartman makes the right read and empty and doesn't throw to a, a, a play where everybody in the stadium knew that Jeremiah Trotter had jumped that route, if he throws the wide fade to Tyree or the slant to Jane Greathouse, if he hits Tobias on the goal route, if he hits Rico early on the crossing route, I mean, all that type of stuff. If C. Crow doesn't get driven into the bat, into the running back on second and two, and so instead of going three and out, you've got a first down, right? If you just execute better. Now, is that saying the players didn't do a good job? No. What I'm saying is you need to figure out as a coach why, when you get against good defenses, your execution plummets compared to when you're playing yeah. bad teams. You've got to address that. And so to me, that's foundation number one, because you can change the scheme, Ryan, and do all the things we want them to do. Go tempo, do all this. But if your preparation is still flawed, it won't matter when you play the best teams on your schedule. So to me, that's number one. Then you can figure out the philosophy and the scheme and all that kind of stuff. That that comes second. You need to figure out what is happening. Where's the disconnect between us and our players? When we play anybody with a pulse on defense, why are we such Jekyll and Hyde where we can score 106 points two weeks in a row combined and then can barely get across midfield against Clemson? Now, Clemson's very good, but they're not that good, especially with all the guys they were missing. So that's the first thing, Ryan, to me that needs to get addressed is not what are we doing schematically? No, what are we doing? You know, you, well, I say, you could make a case that the overall philosophy needs to be the first thing that's looked at because then that could impact your preparation. That's fair. That's fair. Sure. But scheme is at best the third or fourth thing that we're talking about. There's other things that need to get figured out first before you start having too many conversations about scheme. Yep. You build scheme around your philosophy is kind of how I would phrase it. And I, I have my questions about the philosophy in general and whether mm – -hmm. Coach Freeman and his staff can recognize that and change that. I have no idea. I have no idea. I'll say this. I'm hopeful that he will because Marcus Freeman is a young guy and I think he's a very like astute person. I think he's a very smart. I think that he will be able to look inside himself and figure that stuff out. I do, but I will say this and I don't like reading into press conference stuff too often, but like, Hearing him talk about muff punts and interceptions, I'm like, man, it's not really the overall issue, is it? Is it really? Is that the number one issue on the offense right now? Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll see. Hopeful. Because, Hopeful, but because not here's, optimistic. Here's my point, Ryan, that I said earlier. If if they just would have executed the stuff that was there, they win the game on Saturday. I believe that. Right. That means not throwing a pick six and the muff punt, stuff like that. But you and I have always been process over results, guys. That still wouldn't have changed the issues that I did have with the game plan on Saturday and the play calling right. on Saturday, right? So just beating a beat up four and four Clemson team doesn't mean, Hey, we figured it all out. Right. right? That's, that's the whole point. The, the, the issues would still exist. Hey, why did you struggle running the football so much in the second half? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Yeah. You were able to go out and get a W against a beat up struggling team, but those, those problems still exist. My, yes. my point is simply, there is something that's leading to you not performing to the best of your ability, even within the calls that are being made that needs to be addressed first. And, right. and, I, and I think we're on the you, same page on that. It sounds you, like you need to make page. sure that your approach and your process is, and you guys hear me say this word all the time needs to be sustainable, right? It right. needs to be against the worst team on your schedule against the best team on your schedule. You need to be able to have success within the scheme that you are running, the philosophy that you have and the approach that you have. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that is sustainable right now because we have seen it. Why is everyone mad right now? Because against the best defenses that Notre Dame has seen this year, they've struggled immensely yes. 
four immensely. out of five times. Four, Which says and tells you, can even you. Ar- Ryan, you can even argue yeah. five out of five times because I still say the offense we saw pre two hour rain delay looked a lot like what we saw in the other four games. Sure. Would you agree with that? Like, you yeah, know, that- I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, I just think that there needs to be a conversation over look, this offense approaches philosophy might work against the worst teams on our schedule, but if it doesn't work against the best teams, is it really the best one for us? Is that really what our bread and butter should be? Needs to be a conversation this off season, obviously. So and Ryan, that's exactly what our beef was with Brian Kelly. I don't care that he beats all the teams he's supposed to. They don't play in the big games. Well, now Marcus Freeman has shown a little bit more of an ability to, at times to get his team up for playing those moments. I mean, they did smack Clemson last year, right? Like they did beat USC in a in a spotlight game where you can say games. USC yeah. wasn't as good as we thought they were going to be, but the moment was huge and right. they answered the bell. That's that's the thing where Brian Kelly's team didn't even answer the bell. No. And and but but that's all fine and dandy, but you're still not winning enough of those games, right? That's just right. kind of oh sure it's a little better in that regard. But yeah, well, that's just, that's that's why I always hate the because the naysayers. Oh, and this is quieted now that LSU also lost this weekend. But right. everyone, you know, oh, oh man, maybe Brian Kelly wasn't so bad. Maybe that wasn't so bad. And I'm like, guys, no, it was, it hey, was well. because because you knew that you were going to be this level, but you also knew that you couldn't get to this level. Like it was still right. not where you wanted to go. So who cares if you were more consistent, right. quote unquote, against the bad teams against Brian Kelly, either way, right. you're not winning a championship. Either way, you're there's, not winning a championship. So who there's cares? There's no evidence, no evidence in Brian Kelly's tenure that he would have beat Ohio state. There's right. no evidence that they would have beat Louisville. There's no right. evidence. They would have beat Duke. There just isn't. It's, it's you know, the same conversation that right. someone asked after the on the post game show about Tommy Reese before I had to leave. It's like, guys, why am I comparing Tommy Reese to Jared Parker for one? Because neither of them at this point has shown that they could make take it to that level. So who cares? Who cares? It's not like you had a young, up and coming, phenomenal offensive mind that you just let leave for no reason. Like you just left, took a big job, whatever, and you didn't promote with win, whatever conversation. Tommy Reese was an underwhelming offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. He's now gone to Alabama and has been a, so far a pretty underwhelming offensive coordinator at Alabama for the most parts. We'll see if he gets better, but why am I comparing whether it would be better with Tommy Reese or Jared Parker right now? It wouldn't be good enough in either regard. So why am I having that conversation? I just don't understand why I'm having that conversation. It's just weird to yeah. me. It's weird. Sorry, that one gets me a little fired up. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. (laughs) Going back to what we already knew wasn't good enough is not the answer. Right. It's it's, figuring. Right. I I was talking to my wife about this, Brian. I was like, hey, Kate, you know, you remember that last boyfriend you had before me that you hated, right? Like you weren't a big Mm -hmm. fan of him. That would be like me going back in time and being like, hey, who's worse? This bad boyfriend that you hate or the last bad boyfriend you hated? Like, who cares? They're still so Exactly. (laughs) Find a guy that's not that way. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, man. Nathan Mel, what's up, Nathan? Nathan, I, I forgot to text you back, by the way. I'm sorry. Sorry, I just realized that as your, as your message came up here. Advantages, disadvantages of a pro-style offense. Well, I'll say one disadvantage to me is a, a pro-style offense more than the others requires a greater level of player competence, in my opinion. It requires more precision. It requires more, everyone's got to be on the same page. It requires more, you've got to really scheme your way into success in those type of things. You've got to really make sure, you know, you you do that, but you also demand a high level of excellence. I also think it puts even greater emphasis on the need to have a big-time quarterback. I think when you look at at David Shaw's tenure at, at Stanford, their best teams usually had NFL-style quarterbacks. I mean, to some degree, I mean, Kevin Hogan is not Andrew Luck, but he's still a guy that spent several years in the NFL. And when he didn't have that kind of quarterback, their offense looked a lot different and was far less effective, and their team was far less effective. And so I just think it it demands a higher level of precision and a higher level of talent. The advantages are, to me, look, if if you are a team like Notre Dame and you can recruit offensive line and tight end and running back the way that Notre Dame can, 
it gives you a chance to execute that at a high level because it's kind of like this. In order to run some of these spread offenses and things like that, you need elite receivers. Like LSU would still be really good on offense if they didn't have Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas and those type of guys. But they would, but they wouldn't be in Jaden Jaden Daniels. But they wouldn't be an elite offense. The eliteness requires those athletes. And to me, a pro style offense is similar in that it it demands elite players on the offense. It demands an elite offensive line, talent at running back, tight end. Notre Dame can recruit that at a high level if if you're doing things right. So in that regard, I think Notre Dame can recruit well to a pro style offense. I think pro style offenses are good. They allow you to be a more physical football team, in my opinion. Uh, they allow you to to do a lot more things from a movement and motion standpoint. They allow you to do more things from a leverage standpoint, in my opinion. Uh, so those those are pro pros uh, to me. Um, uh, pros to being in a pro style offense. Didn't mean to use that pun, but that that's where I'm at. So those would be some advantages. Disadvantages. It's a little harder to to. It's a little harder to push the tempo in a pro style offense, in my opinion. It doesn't mean you can't do it, but it's a little harder. If a team is kind of coming out and they match up well with you schematically, or I mean, talent wise, it can be a little harder to scheme yourself open the way it can be in some other schemes. So, those are some pros and cons for me. All right. We got a super chat from John Peters. He says, I noticed Sam Hartman went through the progressions and looked at all the options when passing in the beginning of the season. Now he has tunnel vision. I I would say that's accurate. I, I don't think he's progressing through reads as well as he was early in the season, Ryan. I really don't. I, I yeah. but I think I think the answer is easy. I think it's it's confidence. He doesn't have confidence in himself. I, yeah. I don't think right now he doesn't have confidence in his in the guys around him, the offensive line, the receivers. And so when you get into a situation like that, Ryan, you start zeroing in on that's just that's just the human nature for quarterbacks. When you don't have confidence in what's around you, you're looking to, you know, you're you're going to lock in on things a little bit more. And and there there has to be something in the disconnect, Ryan, uh, or in the right. the preparation that's creating this as well. That like no one's talking about the job Gino Gadulli's doing. Like I'm even hearing people saying he should be promoted to OC. And I'm like, did you watch the Cincinnati offense last year? And I'm like, what about the? I mean, and I'm not blaming on Gino Gadulli. I don't know if he's the problem or not. But what I'm saying is, is what evidence do you have right now that Gino Gadulli would be a better answer for Notre Dame as an offensive coordinator than Jared Parker? Right. What what evidence do you have of that? The quarterback's playing, not playing lights out right now. He's progressively got worse. And I think he went like eight games in a row, seven games in a row last year where they failed to get to 30 points at Cincinnati last season. So, no. Sounds right. Yeah, I, I think yeah. everybody on offense whose name is not Dela McCullough needs to be able to look in the mirror and be like, dude, I didn't do a good enough job. Right? Sure. And if Dela McCullough is who I think he is, he's still going to look in the mirror and do that. But he doesn't need to the way that others do. You know what I mean? Like every every competitor, yeah. Ryan, looks in the mirror and says, hey, how can I do better? You know sure. what I mean? But what I'm saying yeah. is, like, I'm telling you as your head coach, you need to look in the mirror and figure some stuff out, right? That There's a difference. I'm not having that. I'm, I'm with Dean. It's like, hey, man, you're doing a great job. Keep it up, right? Keep it up. I, I, I think that as a collective, and this is kind of in my thought process about the whole thing. I even wrote a little something about it earlier. I think that we should be able to understand that the Sam Hartman need a lot of blame. Yes. Yes, he does. But – Am I to be led to believe that a player that threw 110 career touchdown passes before this year, a player that threw nearly 80 touchdown passes the last two seasons, a guy that was an all ACC caliber signal caller and had thrown six touchdowns last year in a nearly flawless game against Clemson. Am I to believe that he is the full problem with the Notre Dame offense right now? Am I to believe that? I don't think that that is realistic. I think that we need to use our common sense on that one. There is a support issue around Sam Hartman as well right now. And that might be lack of trust in players. That might be lack of trust in protection. That might be lack of trust in play calling. It could be a lot of those different things. Or preparation, or coaching. Right. It, yes, exactly. Why, 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 why in the worst, why, why in the big moments was he just honing in on nothing but Mitchell Evans before he got hurt? Because that was the only guy that he really trusted, it seems, right? Like, there's a lack of trust, I think, all around right now, which is a – it's an issue, obviously. It's a big issue. So, hopefully, Notre Dame is able to figure that out in the offseason. Yep. But we shall see. Agree. Shall see. 
we got some more super chats, Ryan, but I want to get to some of these early questions that we had as well. And we'll get back yeah. to the super chats, but I, I don't want this to turn into a super chats only show. We appreciate those, but I, I know there were some people who got in here really early and had yes. some questions. So I want to get to those as well. I, I got in at like 1220 today and just started yeah. storing questions because people were yeah. wild in here, man. Tim B, yeah. what's up, man? What personnel changes would you make if you were Coach Marcus Freeman? Has Sam Hartman played poorly enough to be benched? Should we be fielding younger players for the good of the program moving forward? Ryan, for me, I'm I'm not ready to do the whole bench Sam Hartman thing. He needs to play better. I'm definitely not doing that before yeah. the Wake Forest game. I just I, I look it, it, the only way that I would bench Sam Hartman is if his attitude and work ethic are bad and he's not coachable. Which you've never heard of that. Yeah, before, I, I right? don't know that. So, yes, yeah. exactly. So you know then sure. Would I have a plan to play, you know, maybe Steve Angeli or Kenny Minchin the game? Sure. To me, like at receiver, I mean, okay, I'm okay giving Braylon James a shot. I can't be worse than, you know, what you threw out there on Saturday. I think it's more about you've got to have more confidence in the guys you are throwing out there as a quarterback. Yeah. And and you need to rethink about who who am I using and how often and 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 those type of things. Like so, like on offense. There's no magic bullet player that they're currently not using that they need to use, and it fixes everything. It's more about, okay, use Jeremiah Love more and differently. Yeah. Use Jadarian Price more and differently. You know, use yes. Tobias Merriweather differently. Use Jaden Greathouse differently. Use Rico Flores differently, right? Because Rico has a really good knack for finding openings on overs and crosses and things like that. He just can't win on vertical routes. I just, I mean, and when I mean vertical routes, I mean anything vertically oriented, comebacks, ends, all that kind of, he's just, he's just not able to win on those right now. His time will come on that. It will get stronger and, and all that type of stuff and feel better in the offense and, and, and all those things will come. But like right now, that's just not where he is. So yep. you've got to figure some stuff out to, to get, allow him to be more effective because you have to play somebody outside. I mean, right now, all your best players, I mean, even Tobias Merriweather, where have his big plays come from this year? Almost exclusively, slot. except for the one pass against Central Michigan, they've all come from him being lined up in the slot. We can't put nine guys in the slot. You got to have somebody play outside. You know, so they, they've got to find some answers on who who they're using, not so much on who they're using, but how they're using guys and the volume in which they're using guys. And that would be that would be the the changes that I would make. It's not so much about personnel changes, Ryan, from a personnel in, personnel out. It's how are you using the personnel? The, the right. I, I do think there is one position where the, the play has been poor enough, long enough, and you have enough options. You have you have options to consider change, and that's guard. And that's that's the guard play. Uh, this just isn't it, right? Well, you know, Billy Strauss not ready. Okay then you're a coach. You get paid a lot of money. Coach him up. Give him a shot. You know what I mean? Do Even if, again, it's not always bench Pat Coogan. It's like, okay, what you did against Louisville, start doing now, but let the players know you're going to do it and practice it and have a plan like he stand did in 2017, whether it's every other series, every third series, whatever. But right now, what yeah. you're seeing on Saturday at guards is not good enough. And I don't see like all of a sudden Pat Coogan becoming this great mauler. I mean, I think, He'll get a little stronger and older, but he is what he is. He's not very athletic. He's not super powerful. He's tough as heck. He tries hard, and he knows the system. Okay, great, but that's limiting. There are other guys who have better talent that you need to coach up because you're 7-3 and three right now. Like That's a position where I would look at that and say, hey, it's time to figure some stuff out there. But at the skill positions, I, I don't have a problem with who, who they're using. I have a problem with how they're using certain guys that that that's what I think needs to be more addressed. Maybe volume as well, at least at like running back. It's like, you know, Audrick's awesome, but like, can we see a little bit more Jeremiah love and use them a little bit differently? Like, well, that would be nice, right? Like that'd be really even nice. together. I, I would love it. Even together, yeah. like even together, Ryan, where if you're, if Audrick's really gone and you, you're doing some stuff with RPOs where they got to make a decision. Do you want right. to, you guys want to collapse the box and take Audrick on the runs or do you want to defend the, the perimeter yeah. swing that we're running with an RPO to Jeremiah Love. You know, you put him out even, and outside and, and run some stuff with now screens out of 21. Even, it looks just like 11 personnel. Like even, even like split, that. even split back running some like outside zone look with Audric lead blocking now to the outside as a stretch. Yeah. Like, hey man, I'm yeah. there. I'm there on that type of stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's there's got to be a little bit of a wrinkle because 
Jeremiah Love is probably your most dynamic player on offense. I mean, he probably is. He's shown it to be. I mean, when uh, you combine speed and elusiveness, I don't think it's debatable. Yeah. Like, I think Jadarian Price and Chris Tyree, just from a pure speed standpoint, are both more explosive just on a pure speed standpoint. But what Jeremiah brings to the table, and I think Jadarian will eventually get back there as he gets further away from the from the Achilles, but we're dealing with where we are right now. The combination yeah. of elusiveness and explosiveness is better yeah. for him than it is anyone else. I mean, a perfect yeah. example is that 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 the uh, gap scheme play he ran into the boundary on Saturday. That should have been a minus two. But he just made a do. He he outran the he outran the defense to the outside, and then made a sick cut and ends up gaining like what six or seven yards on a play that at best maybe should have got Something back like to the that. line of scrimmage. Yeah, Kids love Chris Tyree. Man. He doesn't make that play. Love Jadarian right. Price. He can make that play, but not quite as consistently as. You know, Jadarian's more of a natural back where Jeremiah Love is kind of guy you just do. He's a jack of all trades. Use it. Get Use rock, it man. on more Get than just slides rock. and wheels. Because, hey, guess what, guys? The defense knows you're going to run them on slides and wheels. Like I asked this, Ryan, remember how great their name was on those angle routes last year when teams start jumping the slides and come back with that little angle route? I've yeah. seen that. Where's that at? I mean, you hit that multiple right. times last year. The way that Probably Clemson was over was playing that slide, man, they might have yeah. – he might have scored. If they would have yeah. called that route on a on, on, against certain looks, how about how about a variation of screens to Jeremiah Love as well? Like I've seen some swing screen stuff to him, but like how about a traditional halfback right. screen? How about you sneak him inside on like almost a little like like inside type of look, like a little bit of a middle screen? Like I would love to see him in a lot of different areas. We also saw him on a jet sweep this year, Brian. Where I was like, all right, cool, yeah. up there, man. Like we see about a jet sweep. Like I would love to see that type of stuff. So he's one player. Now that Eli Raridan's snaps are also pumping up a little bit with the injuries there, can I throw a ball to Eli Raridan at some point, man? Like, I keep hearing about how great of an athlete he is, but, like, they just no targets in the passing game is all. So get some of your younger, more dynamic players opportunities is kind of where I'm looking at, right? The, the wide receiver snap share right now I think is very indicative of, of the philosophy flaws that we've talked about, right? They want to be grinders. They want to just, you know, be consistent and just, you know, make the easy plays and just keep the chains moving. I'm just like, ah, man, I want to create some big plays. I want some explosives, brother. Like, I want to see a little bit of creativity. Like, can we get some creativity in this building? So hopefully that happens. But, yeah, I mean, Sam Hartman, though, back to the original question, Tim, I would not bench him against Wake Forest. I know some people are like, I don't care, whatever. I'm like, I care because that's a really bad look against his former team. That's a bad look, in my opinion. You don't have right. to fully commit and say he's playing every single snap. Like we can talk about a little bit of a rotation at quarterback, sure. But like I am not benching him against Wake Forest on no. homecoming. Like I'm all right, man. No, thank you. No, thank you. Agree. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Tony Stangle with a question. At this point, the offense is what it is, broken and lost. Brian, what do you do as an offensive coordinator to try and fix the offense this late in the season? Is there anything you can do? Hey, man, we're talking about this tomorrow, too, yeah. Tony. So make sure that you're yeah. subscribed to the channel. Tony, there's certainly things you can do. And and the biggest one, and I'll just be very brief, and Ryan and I will get into more details tomorrow, is it's a little bit of a preview. And Ryan, you and I were kind of just talking about it. Really figure out who are your playmakers and start doing more and more to make sure you're getting them the football. Really designing ways to say, hey, we're going to get Jeremiah Love the football this way. We're going to get Jadarian Price the football this way. You know, and, and maybe it's when you're with, when Audric's in the game, it's just Audric. But then when you rotate, you bring Jadarian and Jeremiah in together. And there's things, you, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do, but it's about who are our playmakers and how do we figure out ways to get them the football. And right. and so we'll, we'll kind of dive into that. But it's about, hey, fi- what the bye week can be spent doing, Ryan, is what is different about when we play these good teams besides just they're good? Because it's not that simple. Well, yeah, of course, the good teams. No, 
you aren't the same team. You don't you don't attack the same way. You don't have you don't play with the same urgency. You don't play with the same confidence. There's something beyond just yeah, the good teams stop you. That is causing you to not play as well. You need to figure out what that is because that can be addressed right now, Ryan. And and, and it, that can be looked at. And say okay, well we did this against Pitt. We did this against these teams and it worked. Well, why didn't we do it against other teams? Well, you know, they got better corners. Oh, yeah, but I could point to three or four plays where your guys were winning on the outside and you didn't throw the football when you should have thrown the football. So maybe right. if you throw a deep ball to Tobias, if, if he catches it, and you don't know if he did because he didn't get the ball. But if he catches it, it's a 40-yard gain or a 35-yard gain instead of a 75-yard touchdown. I'll still take that, you know? And so those are things you can you can do, and we will – uh We'll dive into those more specifically in tomorrow's show. That's a good question. Irish blooded. How many more players do you think sit out now that is most likely won't be a new year six bowl? And who would you suggest does versus doesn't that leaves the team after this year? Nobody's sitting out the next two games. And, and, and that's just not even a conversation that we're going to have. Yeah. So I I I think sitting out the bowl game is more of a realistic conversation. Irish yeah, blooded, and, and, I mean. and we'll have that when we figure out who they're going to play because I have a feeling some guys that may sit out just in theory right now might not if they're playing LSU. That's just a reality. Perfect. So we'll, we'll have that chance. They'll have a month before the bowl game happens, and we'll, we'll have a chance to talk about that. But right now, nobody's sitting out. And, and, and yeah, nobody's sitting out. Tony Stangle with another question. Could the major problems on offense be due to multiple new coaches and guys just getting adjusted to them similar to the defense last year? Do you have any optimism this gets better next year? Well, sure. I mean, there's always optimism. I'm a pretty optimistic person. I think that we've seen enough of the, the – here's why I'm optimistic, right? The flashes have been there. It's stop being that stop being this way against bad teams, but then not being this way. Cause like, again, if they were kind of the same team from week to week, Ryan, and it just wasn't as effective against the bad defenses or the good defenses, I'd say, yeah, you need to make some changes or, you know, personnel, whatever. But like, you just look like a completely different team when you play good defenses, that's the problem. And so if you can fix that, that, that helps, but I, I don't I don't hold the, the multiple new coaches thing, guys. That's college football. I mean that that yeah. that's college football. You got beat by a Louisville team that literally has an entirely brand new coaching staff. So that just that excuse doesn't fly. You know, Dela yeah. McCullough's in year two. Jared Parker's in year two. Chancey Stuckey's in year two. The, the, those excuses don't fly. You can maybe say it with like Marty Biaggi or something like that, but that that and it definitely doesn't fly when your same things are happening in week ten. Right, because last year Al Golden's defense was better in the second half of the year than was first half of the year. We saw growth from that defense. We're not seeing that from the offense. It's the same story that it was early. When you play a team that's not good on defense, you rip them up. When you play a team that's good on defense, you struggle. That, that, that's yeah. been true from the beginning of the season till now. And yeah. so I just I don't think I understand, Tony. You're looking for answers. I'm with you, buddy. I get it. I just don't think that's. I think it's a mentality thing, Ryan. I do. And I think that mentality thing bleeds into the preparation. I think when players see a more conservative game plan, I, I, I am, uh, I would not be shocked at all. If, if the coaches are a little bit more ramped up and tight during those big games offensively, I won't be shocked if that's the, cause that's how they play. They play like the coaches just kind of had a really God, We got to be perfect. We can't make mistakes this week. We got, can't do this. We really worried about this guy. And, and then the players are going to play that way. Whereas, like, you know, Lou Holtz always was like, look, when we're playing, those kids already know what's at stake, right? So we're just, you know, let's go out there and execute. And, you know, so there's those things like that need to be addressed and fixed, in my opinion. And if they are, that's – look, I don't I don't think Jared Parker's a dumb guy. It's the same thing I said about Tom Reese. I think Jared Parker's a very smart football coach. I think Tom Reese is a very smart football coach. Neither of them right now have shown themselves to be championship-caliber coordinators. Sure. And and being a smart football guy, Ryan, as you know, does not make you a good coach. And and being a smart, a good position coach doesn't make you a good coordinator. Being a good coordinator doesn't mean you're going to be a head coach. There's been guys that have been good coordinators that became great head coaches, and guys that were great coordinators became bad head coaches. Right? Dabo Swinney was never a coordinator. Urban Meyer was never a coordinator, and they became great head coaches, champion head coaches. So you you know it, it just you got to hope that they can figure it out and find answers. And this. This is Jared Parker's first year as an offensive coordinator. I get all that. And and I so that's why I'm, I guess I'm a little bit more giving him a little bit more leeway as far as like 
I'm not really thinking about firing him right now. It's not I mean it's, it's overall might not my go-to, Ryan, but it's also kind of like, you know, let, let's let's keep building this. Let's try to get some continuity. Let's fix the problems that are there and instead of just firing people and then hoping that the new staff won't have the same problem. Because at the end of the day, when Marcus Freeman, you know, if Marcus Freeman's willing to change his strategy, then let's see if this new staff, how this new staff thrives or doesn't within that new philosophy or that adjusted philosophy. If he doesn't change his philosophy, it doesn't matter who the new head coach or new office coordinator is going to be because we're still going to see the similar things because that's what the head coach wants in those moments. And that that's that's where I'm at. So, yeah, I, I just feel like you saw a lot more flashes under Al Golden in year one than year two. Right. So, like, I I just kind of like. Can, can yeah, I interrupt man. and say something here yeah. or something else was different? Al Golden's defenses yeah. last year tended to be at their best against the best teams they played. He had the exactly. opposite problem. They were sloppy against UNLV, right? right? They were sloppy against Navy. They were, you know, like early on, they were sloppy against, you know, Cal. They they were lights out against Ohio State. Yeah. Right? Like lights out against Clemson. Like they were they were really good in those big game moments, with one exception, USC, but we've talked about that. Shorthanded went away from what you were doing. And Al Golden's tenure at Notre Dame, the big games are when you kind of expect them to be at his best. Yes, and that that has been the exact opposite in the offense this year. So that that is a good point, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, Tony, like you ask about optimism. I mean, full transparency. Like I'm not that optimistic about the offensive staff right now. Like I'm not. I I, I hope to be proven wrong is where I am offensively right now. With with Al Golden, I mean, I talked about it in the offseason a ton. I was like, yeah, there's some things that need to get improved, but like, I think it is going to improve though, right? Like I did think it was going to get better in year two under Al Golden because I saw. A lot of positives there, and I, you're talking about a, also a coach that, although he hadn't been a defensive coordinator in like 20 years, right about, Al Golden is still a very tenured coach, football coach, right? Like he's been around the block a few times, so I thought that he was going to figure it out. Maybe not even to this degree, but I thought it was going to get better. I, I just, I don't know. I, I just, I don't feel as optimistic about the offense improving from year one to year two under Jared Parker. And it's no shot against fair. Jared Parker. It's just different situation that we're in right now so yeah i think that's fair uh brandon said that maybe i'm remembering that no one was high on louisville's defense before they played notre dame i would encourage you to go back and listen to the shows we did about louisville that week because we certainly gave a lot of praise we talked i mean ryan we i can we talked about their linebacker i mean not their linebackers we talked about their defensive line wasn't super great good athletes we talked about how good their cornerback tandem was so Louisville's defense is better than I thought it was going to be. I mean, they've they've really played good defenses of of late, and they've caught some breaks too. I mean, they played Duke without right, you know, with a banged up Riley Leonard, and NC State's just, you know, not a, a great offensive football team. You know, at the time they were having some issues, and but they're still a very good defensive football team, and we talked about that at the time. It, Notre Dame didn't should have played better against them, but yeah, yeah we, 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 that was discussed at the time. We had a question from ND Estimate Trucking LLC. Just saw a statistic that wasn't surprising to me as I was never a fan of Kenny Pickett. CJ Stroud has more career touchdown passes than Kenny Pickett thus far. Thoughts? Uh, I mean, my thoughts That's are, I mean, I could just I could just go back to my evaluation on him, ND Estimate Trucking LLC. I had a early first-round grade on CJ Stroud. I had a late third-round grade on Kenny Pickett. <laughs> That's it. I mean, I thought C.J. Stroud was going to be a, a plus starting quarterback in the NFL, which he already is, only a few, like nine games into his NFL career. I thought Kenny Pickett was going to be a very good backup that could potentially develop into a solid bridge or spot starter. That's what I thought Kenny Pickett was. So I'm not surprised that he is having more success than Kenny Pickett so far. Can I ask you a question, Ryan? And again, sure. this is not knowing an answer. When you evaluate a guy as a third round pick, what does that mean as far as like is that is 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 it that like a third round guy is you're gonna be back up early and then eventually you can grow yeah. into a starter? Is that what the third round pick? Okay. Yeah, I have I have a grading scale that basically has anything from like my, my thing is kind of sequenced is as far as a late third, early third, and then the first round is actually broken up into three different tiers. But a late mm-hmm. third round on my grade is a guy that is a plus backup early on in his career and then by year three he has developmental potential into potentially being a starter so that's kind of how i saw kenny pickett of like if he's developed because i was not a kenny pickett guy at pit at all 
And then I thought he played really well his last year, and I thought he showed a lot of signs, but I still had question marks on him. I still think that he struggled to consistently control the football. I, I really did actually have big concerns about the small hands, which actually ends up to be mm-hmm. pretty practical now that we look back at it. So, um, I mean, I just I wasn't that high on Kenny. I liked Kenny, but I think that he was yeah. buoyed a part of a really bad quarterback class that year. And CJ Stroud was a part of two really good quarterbacks at the top. And no surprise, he's playing a lot better than Kenny Pickett. Also, I will say this though, in slight defense of Kenny Pickett, I don't think many quarterbacks would be super good with Matt Canada as their offense coordinator, but still I wasn't a big fan of Kenny Pickett coming out. Wasn't huge. I just I always get nervous about those one year wonders, Ryan. And in Kenny Pickett's case, it wasn't like Mitch Trubisky where he only played one year, but he was a pretty yeah. much the same guy for four years. And then he comes out in the in this fifth year, it's the COVID. He could because of COVID, he gets that extra year and he plays in a way that we had never seen him play. I mean, he he was very consistent. His three years prior to 2021, 12, 12 touchdowns, six picks, 13 touchdowns, nine picks, 13 touchdowns, nine picks. Quarterback rating between 120.3 and 129.6 in those four years. And then he comes out in his last year under Mark Whipple, 42 touchdowns, seven picks, 4,300 yards, and a quarterback rating over 165. That was the anomaly. Now, maybe the light went on, but it's kind of like that always makes me nervous, especially if I'm talking about a, a first-round pick. Because I I feel like if you're going to be a first-round pick of quarterback, you either need to be like elite tools, even if you're not a great quarterback, but elite tools, or you can be a guy that's got like a – like I, I'm pretty confident this guy's going to be a starting quarterback in the National Football League. And, and to your point, like I, I'm not a draft guy, but when I watched Kenny pick a play, I was like, he had a great year. He, was, he had a great college football season. But he never yeah. screamed to me like, "Boy, that guy's an NFL player. That guy's a that boy. That guy's gonna be a really good NFL quarterback." He just it just never, never screamed that to me, honestly. Yep. And yep. Um, so it's Pittsburgh but, got desperate with a bad quarterback yeah. class. So yeah. Yep. The Pittsburgh kid's gonna stay home. Whoop de doo. Cam Ald with a question. Great story. They should have done that back in 1983. That's when they should have kept the Pittsburgh kid home. Marino, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cam old yeah. four straight punts by Clemson to pin us in our own territory. Why never have ten on the line to attempt a block or at least put pressure on the punter? CT wasn't uh, Chris Tyree wasn't fielding them anyway. No urgency. I agree. That's been an issue I've had all year, Ryan. They they rarely seem to go for the block, and I've never I've never in today's era where you just can't set like back in the day, Ryan, I could get it back in the eighties. I get it because you're setting up that like wall return and the way punting was back then. Whenever you know, it's like you could set up returns. You can't really set up returns anymore. And I've just been a believer that okay, so then go go after them because yeah, that's when you get good returns is when you know they've got to hold extra guys in to try to protect all of the guys you're bringing. So they're not getting many guys downfield. So less guys for your returner to make make and then make miss. And then occasionally you you kick some line drives that your guy can get a run running start on, or or he booms the heck out of it, and you don't have as many guys running down there, and he can go make a long return. So I I I I, I complained about this under Brian Polian for years and Scott Booker for years of if you're not gonna be a dynamic return team, you should be aggressive going after punts. There's a time and a place for that where you don't do that. Like Clemson was at midfield at one point in time, and it was like fourth and maybe three or four when their name was in punt safe. I understood that because that's a an area where Dabo might be willing to take a risk if you're going to bring if you're going to have this you know everybody's coming type of moment. I, the way his defense was playing at that point in time, you yeah. could see that. But more often than not, I agree they need they need to be more aggressive coming after the punter. I think Chris Tyree returning punts on Saturday. I think that we hyper-focused on the, obviously, the muff off his face mask, the first one. But yeah. after that, he was super gunshot to catch the ball in the air yes. after that, too, man. And was just letting it bounce. And you killed field position several yeah. times during that football game, man. And with an offense that is struggling, it's like field position matters so much. So if Chris wasn't, if Chris was just like not feeling it after that, right? And he's just like gunshot and his confidence levels out. I'd probably take him out and just put face on back there and just be like, face on, you're the number one punt returner, dude. Catch the football. Like, catch it. Just catch it in the air. You haven't even asking for a big return. That was a big part of that football game, I thought, was that the field position yeah. battle was lost after that yeah. muff punt. Lost. 
because of the kick return last week and how important that was, I would give him one more week, but I'd say to him, look, dude, you need to catch the ball or I'm going to put somebody back there that will catch the ball. I mean, just simple as that. Because this this isn't the first time this has happened, right? It, it, it was worse than it's ever been. But he's been inconsistent yeah. in that regard from time to time, which is why, yes. you know, if you decided to make a move, you decide to make a move. I'd still give him one more week because I, I still say that punt return last week was huge. But, I, you, but it was it, what huge. was equally huge was yeah. – the mistakes from this week. That's that's I just the, think, that's the conversation to have. I, I think a different like thought process would also be is that like if I was a special teams coach and this is just me talking you know out loud is that I think that I would prefer if you have a guy that is your kind of home run level type of returner and then you have a guy that's your safe returner right and after Chris Tyree muffed that punt which ended up being a big play obviously early in that game maybe no disrespect to Chris. But, like, maybe I put my punt safe guy back there as far as feeling the ball. And then next week, Chris gets his opportunity back again in better situations. You know what I mean? Like, I just think that uh, that was a big Let let me add a little bit of an adjustment to that to see what you think of this, Ryan. I don't disagree with that premise, but I wouldn't have done it after the muff because I thought the muff was somewhat – it was bad, but it was understandable because Mm -hmm. I think it carried – like, because it happened right in front of me. It carried. And then he mm-hmm. got caught being too close. And then as he's backing up, it kind of hits him in a, in a weird spot. But the minute he shows me a, a lack of confidence fielding it the next time, that's sure. when I'm doing it. That's sure. when I'm doing it. That's cool. um, the yeah. issue for me is I don't know that Jordan Faison is a dependable catch the punt guy. I, I, well, I don't know. We've seen enough of him. And I saw enough of him dropping footballs in fall camp because that was my only knock on him in fall camp. Besides, I don't think they can play him because he's going to lose his scholarship for lacrosse. But the issue was he would he was not the most consistent guy catching the football. Now that could have been freshman adjusting to college. He wasn't an early enrollee. It could have been sure. that, and I haven't seen him in practice. So I just don't know that he is that guy. In theory, however, whoever that guy is, whether Tim, Jaden, Mickey, whoever, I don't care. Where's Matt Salerno when you I, need him, baby? I know, Where's right? Matt Seriously. <laughs> I agree with your premise of the minute a punt returner shows a lack of confidence. Yeah. That's when you've got to say, "Hey, man, he 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 doesn't look comfortable going after the football. We, we've right. we've got to we've got to make a change, and then get him, like you said, then get him right next week. It's I mean, it's no different than you got a really good receiver, and he has the case of the drops. You yank him for a couple series and be like, "Hey, man, get your head right," and then then you go or back to him. him. Right, exactly. Audric estimate fumbling the ball against Navy. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Here we go. All right. We have our next questions from PJC 1122 on Clemson's second touchdown were Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart hurt, or was it a case of giving the backups reps? If the latter, why didn't the coaches put the starters back in when Clemson was attacking the backups? Well, I mean, they, they hit three passes on him and I, and I believe one of the completions was on Benjamin Morrison. If I remember correctly, Ryan, a couple plays before the touchdown, he actually drove on the ball and got a little dinged up like he got up off the ground slowly came off and then they brought the boat the other backup in i don't believe it was both backups on the whole drive i don't believe that was Probably the case I don't i'm so. pretty sure i saw benjamin make up now they were on the opposite side of the field from where i was sitting so i could be incorrect but i thought it was benjamin and then they went to the backups my issue wasn't so much that they did that but it's like okay well if you have to do that bring cam hart back in or bring thomas harper in the fact that you had both backup corners and Clarence Lewis on the field to finish in the red zone to me was, uh, I didn't, I didn't dig that. But at the same time, yeah. guys, this is a week after the backup corners look freaking lights out against Pitt, right? I mean, sometimes the other team makes plays. Cole, you know, couple. There was one where, I mean, Benjamin Morrison got beat by Bo Collins on a slant. I was like, that's a great route. It was a great. Route, you know yeah. what I'm talking yeah. about, right? That was a great yeah. route by Bo Collins. Like that. I mean, yeah. yeah, Benjamin, I thought, got a little too high, like on the on the the stem, which allowed Bo to beat him inside. But he went high because of the way Bo released. It was a great route by Bo Collins. I just thought Bo, I just thought Bo Collins looked pretty good on Saturday, man. Agree, pretty good game. Agree. <laughs> yeah. And so sometimes, like, but that's the point, though, right? Sometimes it's like, hey, that guy made a good play, and I don't know that I don't know that Benjamin. My point was, I don't know that Benjamin Morrison would have made those stops either. Because they were good scheme, they were attacking the zone, and then on one of them, uh, it was Xavier Watts that made the mistake, not a corner. Xavier over overplayed an in cut, so he went this way, and the in cut came. You know which play I'm talking about on that drive, Ryan? They showed the replay. 
but Xavier went took a bad angle, and the guy was running an end cut. And instead of driving here, Xavier went here, and then redirected, and the guy caught the ball. So it wasn't just that, but um, I mean, I, I I would say if you're if you're doing a situation where you you're giving Cam Harder rest and Benjamin's in there, and then the next series maybe you reverse it. The minute you got to take Cam out, or I mean Benjamin out because he gets dinged up, you've got to put Cam back on the field. I, I do I do right. agree with that. I do agree with that. We had Cajun Domer half jokingly come to terms that Notre Dame is the Jets Browns of college football where quarterbacks come to die. Is the Sam Hartman issue different from the previous quarterbacks? Think Gino turns it around. I have no idea if Gino Gadulli is going to be able to turn it around. Hopefully. I'm not saying he will or won't. I'm saying I have no idea. I'm, I'm hopeful. Like Ryan said, I'm hopeful. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I could sit here and try and talk you off that ledge, but I mean, the last since 2010, that's, I mean, it's kind of true. I, I, I think, you yeah. know, look, say whatever you want about Charlie Weiss, but he had three of his five years, he had a big time quarterback play. Big time quarterback play. 05 and 06, Brady Quinn was a star. And 09, Jimmy Clausen was a star. He just played on a bad team. Like, that's simple as that. I mean, they didn't lose games that year because of Jimmy Clausen. You know, I, so. I, I think it's more of a philosophical thing than it is what you're talking about. But honestly, the results are the results, Ryan. For whatever the excuse, whatever the reason, other justification, I, I really don't know what to tell you. Well, and Gino, yeah. Gino Gadulli could be the greatest quarterback coach of all time, but if it's not an offensive system that allows a quarterback to play their best ball, then right. it's still going to be inconsistent and it's still not going to be great, right, right Cajun Domer? So I, I think that – I'm actually still very hopeful about Gino Gadulli. I've heard a lot of great things about Gino Gadulli as a quarterback developer, as far as knowing the position and being able to get there. So I think the you quarterbacks like, will be well prepared. At, uh, Cincinnati, talking about yeah. like, things you've yeah. heard from scouts and stuff from Simon Cincinnati. Yes. Good, that's great. Yep. That's great. Yep. So I, I think that the quarterbacks will be well prepared. I think again, my biggest issue is are offensively they going to be put in the right position to maximize their strengths. That's what it's going to come down to. So I mean, he's definitely going to have some guys to be excited about. I mean, you're going to have Kenny Minchie in year two. You're going to have CJ Carr come in. If he's around for 2025, you're going to have Deuce Knight coming on campus. Like talent in the quarterback room is not going to be an issue over the next couple years at Notre Dame. Nope. So hopefully nope. an offensive staff is able to take advantage of those offensive strengths. We'll see. Cam mm-hmm. old with another one. Why does it seem like all of our passes are second, third level oriented? We had a handful of crosses where athletes got to make plays. Thought we gave up on run and short stuff way too early. Yeah, I would disagree with that. I, th- I thought my issue was more that they just kept running a bunch of short stuff and didn't press them down the field enough. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't I don't agree with that. There was stuff there. We broke it down last night a little bit. There was stuff there, but you, you got to throw the football. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think Notre Dame threw the ball down to the third level hardly at all. So, yeah. Now the run part, I do think that they gave up on the run a little bit too early. That I that I do agree with. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Thoughts on that, Reiner? Kind of. Um, I'm 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 pretty much in agreement. Like again, I, I just think that there's a very there's a stagnation to the passing attack right now. Again, like when I see an offense that's running mesh, that's the most exciting part about an offense. I'm just like, all right, I'm not sure that this is a team yeah. that I'm super excited about offensively. So. Especially they run mesh so slowly. Yes. I'm not talking about guys not being fast. I'm just talking like there's no confidence in their mesh takes nuance. It takes work. I mean, you've there's a there's a level of how to it's like with anything, Ryan. It's like how to use a referee effectively. How do you you know what I mean? How to do it where you're I feel like Notre Dame's gonna get called for a pick almost every other time they run mesh. It's just like yeah. You know, yeah. there's just no confidence in how they're doing it, no urgency in how they're doing it, and no counters. For the love of God, if you're going to run as mesh as much as Notre Dame does, you've got to run pivots off of it. You have to. You know, you've got to run stick nods off. you got to do things and say, hey, we're going to show this, and I'm going to climb. There's no, like, they're sitting on this. What are our answers when teams – this is what we talk about, right? You're just kind of calling plays, calling plays. They're not building anything. Clemson was just yeah. sitting on their short stuff on Saturday. There was nothing that they did. There's, like – when was the last time Notre Dame ran like a sluggo, you know, like a wheel, like any kind of double move? Like, here's a thought. The way Jeremiah Park Trotter did that play, you know what I would do? I'd have gone right back to empty 
a series or two later, run that same concept and have Holden Stace do a stick nod. Freaking wide open. He'd have been wide open. Because you can't yeah. defend the route the way Jeremiah Trotter did and defend that. You right. know what I mean? And the middle field is wide open. So that's the stuff that frustrates me, Ryan, is there's no, like, they're doing this to take this away. Let's take advantage of that and do this. Call right. this. That should be in your arsenal. Because you part of game planning is this is what we like. This is what we're good at. They're going to try to do something to stop that. What are our answers for when they do that? Right. Or what are our answers early to make sure that they don't do that? And we just don't. And that's one of the things I, I, I dislike him a lot, Ryan. But that's one of the things I love about Lincoln Riley. If you overplay something or you aggressively play something, he will have stuff to burn you with that. Assuming you can protect the quarterback, which that's what killed him against Notre Dame is they just couldn't protect the quarterback. Didn't matter. Right. And that's the thing that frustrates me with this with this pass game is if they take something away, it's just kind of like Notre Dame's like, well, we're either going to keep running it unsuccessfully or I guess we're going to have to throw that one away. There's no, there's no, they did this, so let's do that. Yeah. And and it's just very yeah. passing game wise, it's very elementary. Like yeah. literally their best plays are things that I ran in high school. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's like there's and there's nothing, nothing built on top of them. They're just like right. we said. This is what we've said. They're just running stuff to run stuff, and it's been that way all yeah. year. Yeah. We had a super chat from Exo Make underscore Me who Lolo. Okay, there we go. That's that's what that says. Thank you so much for super chat. What happened to Sam Hartman? Number ten doesn't play like Sam Hartman. He should do better. This can't be all on him. A six-year regressing. Saw your comments on offensive line wide receiver coaching issues. What about quarterback coaching? I mean, it's all on the table. It's hard for me to say for sure that Gino's the problem, but when your quarterback's playing like this, you have to at least be willing to have the conversation, right? I mean, that's just the reality of it. But at the end of the day, you've got a part of the reason you bring in a six-year senior, Ryan, is because you don't have yeah. to coach him a, a, a thousand times, you know, like you do Kenny Minchie. You know, he should know how to read four verts. I mean, again, guys, I'm pretty sure Gino Gadouli knows how to coach four verts. Pretty sure. The 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 play that I broke down last night where he throws it to the field goal route to Jaden Greathouse, guys, that's football 101. Like, he's got to know that. He's got to read that. The play where, where Rico's wide open, you know, they're running a field triangle and a, with a backside high-low. Guys, that stuff I ran at the Division three level. And it was day one install stuff, right? He's, you're telling me that he hasn't been coached to read it that way. That's why I say there's something else going on. There's a disconnect. There's a lack of confidence. There's a, there's something, there's a block because quarterbacks are like other athletes, Ryan. They get the yips, you know I mean? Great basketball players will go through a couple weeks where they just can't hit a shot, you know, and great baseball players. I mean, I'm, Ken Griffey Jr. fan. I grew up watching Barry Larkin play. He's a Hall of Famer. 300 hitter. And there'd be weeks where it's like, this guy can't is swinging at balls that are bouncing two feet in front of the dirt. He's just, he's not seeing it right now. It happens. Yeah. You've got yeah. to figure out how to work him, work that out of him. And my issue is, is that like, how did you know that was coming? Because like, I thought after the couple interceptions early, he rallied back pretty well against Pitt. But the, the interceptions should have been like a, Okay, that should have been a bit of a red flag because those are things that led to you know, the, the the reasons for the picks kind of led to the second pick anyway. They're kind of similar. He just decided I'm going to throw the ball here, and it didn't really matter what the defense did. The second pick was that way. First pick, I still say, was on the wide receiver. But um, some sometimes the stuff is like, okay, I thought he'd been playing pretty well the two weeks before, and yeah. then he just comes out and kind of, so it could just be as simple as played a bad game. We and it, it, there is no bigger thing afoot. You just played a bad game. I mean, but we've seen it a lot more consistently, though. So it's uh, no, I, I, yeah. I agree with that. But what I'm saying is, like, how do you know? How are you prepared? He's going to play bad that way when I thought he played pretty well against Pitt outside of the one interception, right? That's my point, right? And there were things we, we complained about with Sam statistically. And you look at USC, I thought Sam played well against USC for what they asked him to do. But if you look right. at the course of a seven-game, six-game stretch, and then you look at the numbers, they tell you the whole story. Five touchdowns, right. seven picks, right? right? That's the bigger thing. But some of the stuff, it's like, guy can't read four verts. I, I, 
like Ryan, it's your text. Did they break him? Is that what happened? And what yeah, was it that like broke him? And what was yeah. it that broke him? I, I don't have the answer to that. Is it Gina Gadouli? Right. I don't know. Is it Jared Parker? I don't know. Is it the players around him? I don't know. I I, I don't I I wish I knew. I'd need to I would need to be there every day to know. Right. But what yeah. we can do is look at it and say, this is what's happening. I don't know why. They got to figure out how to fix it because this can't keep happening. Because I'll say this, they should start him against Wake. But if he comes out and plays against Wake in the first quarter, the way he played against Clemson, you have to make a move because you have to win the football game. Yeah. You have to be prepared if he's going to do that again. Yeah, I just think there's a much, there's a very deep issue here. You know, we've talked about it a ton already, right? And I, I think that as a collective people are too easy to just point fingers to one side of the argument right oh sam stinks he's overrated we should never have gotten him it'll be better next year and i'm just like guys there has to be a deeper issue here like there has to be you don't turn a kid that is was as productive as he was and not just productive on a lower level like he torched clemson last year a team that he just was awful against you don't take him to the team and be just be like oh man he sucks. Like he was just a product. And I'm just right. like, no, that's not how that works. Like he's, he might be a product to a degree as far as like what the level of production would be. But if you watch Sam Hartman and Wake Forest and said to yourself, Hey, when you trade him over to Notre Dame, he's just going to be Drew Pine. Yep. I know. Yep. No, no, and, and, no. And thank you, want, you. you want further evidence why it's not just the system. He's not there anymore. And Wake's offense sucks. Right? Are you telling right. me that T. Perry and Sam Higgins or, or Sam Hartman, like it's or it's? I mean, excuse me. You're going to tell me it's A.T. Perry is the reason they're scoring 16 points less per game, and why their quarterbacks this season have 10 touchdowns and nine picks? Is that is that what you're going to tell me? No, it's because they don't have Sam Hartman and A.T. Perry. Sam Hartman's a big reason for that. So, if it's a system thing, then it doesn't matter who's running the system. Correct? I mean that that or like. It's good. It's like the difference between um, the Bailey Zappi kid and then the kid that replaced the um, Austin, Reed. Austin, Austin Reed. Austin yeah. Reed was still pretty good. He didn't put up the monster numbers that Bailey Zappi did, but he still put up really good numbers, right? This has been another collapse of Wake Forest. So that kind of pushes back against the whole, well, it was only the system and he was never right. really that good to begin with. Right. I, you know, I, it, it just, there'd be, there, if, if like the Louisville quarterbacks were out there throwing for, you know, something close to what Sam did, then you'd say, you know, maybe it was just the system. Maybe that was it. But their offense has absolutely collapsed without him and A.T. Perry. I mean, absolutely collapsed. Because yeah. they still have some good receivers on that team, man. They do. And their their pass game stinks.